Thank you, Love everybody, for Good afternoon, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a very, very, very special episode of the show about the show. I am so pleased, honored, and humbled to be joined today by JSA founder, former PSA employee, and former SGC president, James Spence. He runs one of the most, he is the founder and he runs one of the most legitimate and biggest authentication companies in the entire country. He is here today to talk everything collecting, autographs, and authentication. James, I we had some connection issues, but we're finally here. Thank you very much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Delvin, for having me on. I, um, I'm all here now. <laughs> Got the right number. Excellent, excellent. So let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about this about your career. You mentioned that um, you founded JSA, but originally what happened was you were the former president of PSA, and you also owned twenty five percent of SGC. When you were a kid, what got you into what kind of got you into card collecting and autographs? Well, like any any kid, we all collected cards at the time, all different types of trading cards. However, I had uh, one up on everybody because my grandfather and my father were, were uh, very big hobbyists and they collected autographs as well as stamps and coins. But uh, my grandfather's autograph collection was something that I took, a, uh, I took especially note of uh, because um, it was such a vast collection and um, he taught me how to collect autographs, how to send them through the mail and approach people and fortunately I built up myself a you know a nice collection of my own as a child and continued into adulthood with it. You mentioned your dad and your grandpa were two big um, influences on you. Do you remember who the first autograph you ever got was through the mail or in person? Yes, it was Bill Mambouquet, who played um, for the Red Sox, and he actually played for the Yankees in 1968, and he became a scout for them, you know, just after, uh, you know, his uh, career ended, I believe, in 69 uh, with the Giants. Uh, And I still have that very card in my collection. What was was that, through the mail, or was that in person? That was through the mail on the in the back of uh, the Yankee yearbook. For some reason, they listed the addresses of the scouts, and um, I just happened to notice that the same name appeared on a baseball card that I had, a '68 tops. And I decided to you know give it a whirl. I sent it out with a return uh, addressed envelope, stamped of course, and much to my surprise, within a couple of weeks, I received a response. So I figured, why not do this some more? And I kept sending to the ballparks because at the time I didn't have access to um, the address book by uh, Jack Smalling. Um, it actually had not been created yet. So I went that direction and sometimes you'd get good responses. And in fact, a lot of times I get good responses. Sometimes you get stamped or different types of facsimile autographs through the mail. But uh, surprisingly, I, I got responses from Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan, Rod Carew, a lot of big name people at the time, uh, and they signed everything I sent them. Was that kind of, when you when you were doing that, was that kind of what 
sparked or piqued your interest in becoming an authenticator, or at that point were you just kind of collecting for the fun of it? Well, at that age, I was strictly collecting, but my brothers also enjoyed collecting, so it was kind of like a family affair. But um, then I guess into my adulthood, I became one of these weekend warriors where I would uh, attend shows and set up at shows and sell basically my doubles. And I had a full-time job, and uh, somewhere in uh, the mid-1980s, I started making more money on the weekends than I was on my my regular job, and I I realized that this could be a career for me. Uh, So I was a dealer for many years, and then um, in the early 1990s, uh, many people, uh, I guess, were getting scammed, and I guess I gained a reputation for knowing what I was talking about uh, because of my passion for all of this. And uh, what happened is uh, people started asking me to write letters of authenticity, um, and I simply would handwrite them. And then one thing led to the next. A couple of auction houses contacted me, and then I started to do it on more of a formal basis. And uh, one thing led to another. And, you know, PSA uh, DNA uh, was the next step. I was... um, my company was was purchased by Collectors Universe back in 1999, and I started up the division where we would authenticate previously signed autographs. And uh, I had a, a crew of three other authenticators, and uh, I started that up, and I was with them for six years. And after my uh, contract was up, I decided I had enough fire in the belly and decided to go back into my own business. And here it is 13 years later, and JSA is the largest authentication service uh, for autographs, uh, I guess, in the world. I was going to say the country, but I, I can't imagine outside of the United States it being that big. So talk about your time at SGC, because you owned 25% of SGC about 10 years ago. How did that come about? It was interesting because they were only a couple of blocks away from my office in Parsippany, New Jersey. And at the time, we did not um, – we, we, we were working with Beckett at the time, and uh, Beckett uh, allowed us to also work with SGC. And then I had a partner, and uh, we, we forged a relationship with uh, Dave Foreman, who owned SGC, and we really only we only were there for about a year before both companies decided to go in a different direction. And uh, actually, I'm getting very close to starting up my own uh, encapsulation uh, division. Uh, that's just a few months away. We have the uh, all the forms, uh, and uh, everything seems to be sealing well, and it's all going to be hopefully made public by the national convention. Wow! Wow! So you guys are good. So you're telling me breaking news on here. You guys are going to start doing encapsulation, huh? Yes, it's uh, been a long, <laughs> long way. I've been doing. I've actually been preparing this for years, but it takes a lot. And I, unfortunately, I had one worker that uh, uh, that was, you know, spearheading this whole thing, and he got very, very ill. And um, then we had to uh, shift gears and, and take it on without him. But uh, fortunately, it's the room is all set up. I've got all the machinery. Uh, I've seen the the, uh, the encapsulation work. It seals, and now it's just a matter of getting all the computer uh, computerization to get it 
get it all together and, and we'll be ready to go taking in cards. Um, I'm, I, honestly, I'm not worried about getting cards in. I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about getting them out the door. I just want to make sure the production is uh, up to the standards of, of what we do as far as, you know, similar to what we do in autographs. Absolutely. So you you mentioned that, you know, you work for PSA and SGC. Did you did, – when you're talking about getting into encapsulation, that's kind of what I guess maybe PSA is best known for, especially maybe in in the card world. Was that mm-hmm. something that's always been in the back of your mind, or was that something that just within the last maybe three or four years you've been like, okay, you know, here's a market that we can that we can get into? No, I, I ever since I started JSA, I knew that that was ultimately the direction. I was never really happy with anyone else's. Uh, the slab, the encapsulation itself. So we, I believe, built a better mousetrap, and it's really sleek, and the, the flip is so much better than anyone I've seen out there. And uh, I think it's going to certainly be well-received by the industry. I mean, we already have uh, the reputation, we have the brand, so that's not something we really have to sell people on. It's just they need to enjoy what I see with with a a really nice encapsulation. Now, are are your encapsulations going to look kind of similar to the Beckett and the PSA? ones where they're going to have a serial number, the brand of the card, the player, all that kind of stuff, or are yours going to differ yeah. a little bit? No, it's, it's going to be similar to that, but we're going to have a, a barcode on it. In addition, the it's going to be a lot more attractive. It will have a, a, a black border or a gasket holding the card into place. It's not going to be held in by mylar. Um, the... The, uh, the the font is going to look a lot nicer than what I've seen from my competitors. Uh, the, okay. The, yeah, it's it's similar in size, if that's what you mean. Um, you know, I would say it's similar. In, it's not as, as sharp-edged as, say, the Beckett holders or clunky like they have. Um, but it's, it's, it's maybe a little bit bigger than um, PSAs and maybe a little bit smaller than SGCs. Okay. Okay, so that's, and you said you hope to debut that at Nationals? Yes, we do have samples, but, uh, you know, my biggest concern was getting, you know, the turnaround for people. So, we, you know, it's not a problem showing samples. I just want to be able to feel good about receiving them in so we can turn them around in a reasonable period of time. I don't want to have customers telling me three, four months later that their, um, you know, that, that their order hasn't been satisfied. That's that's certainly not what we do when it comes to the autograph authentication, uh, creating letters and basic certs and witness protection that we already have. So I, I don't want to get involved in something that, uh, you know, we can't we can't produce, a, you know, on a, a regular basis. Now, when you when you talk about authentication. You know, you guys obviously. I'm. I would assume that probably cards and baseballs would probably be the most two, or the two most popular items, baseball-wise. What are some other maybe kind of oddball or unique items that you guys have either authenticated or were not able able to authenticate, but you just thought to yourself, "Oh wow, that's a really neat item." I I'll tell you what. There's just about any type of item that I can think of that's been signed we have been able to authenticate. And it's much more than just baseballs and photographs. I mean, we do 
uniforms, jerseys, uh, different types of apparel. We've I've seen things like eggs <laughs> that we've uh, authenticated that have signatures on them, books, and uh, I mean the list goes on and on. Banners and pennants and uh, virtually anything that has a signature on it. And it's not just in the sports field. We do anything historical, um, musical, really a who's who. Uh, we we do. Uh, Famous American, famous personalities, as well as even criminal autographs, serial killers. You know, we don't, we don't really uh, sure. have have a a moral barometer on what people should collect or not. I mean, it's it's just if it's signed, we look at it very objectively. Sure. Now, you know, when when you when you send an item into PSA, obviously they have their they you can pay and get their quick opinion done. Is that something that you guys offer, like a quick opinion service? Like if I'm looking at something on eBay and I see something, an autographed item, and I go, "Oh, that looks good," but I don't know for sure. Can I send? Can I? Do you guys have the quick opinion feature? Not at this time, but we've been in talks with eBay, and we plan to have something like that into place. Um, I did it actually. I, I was there when they started it at PSA DNA. It was uh, just uh, maybe about six months before I left the fold there. So I'm familiar with it. I've done it. Um, I'd much rather see the item in person, but I understand, you know, people uh, have an interest in knowing what they're buying and or at least getting a good idea of what they're buying before they make the purchase. So that's coming along as well. Sure. Have you ever authenticated an item for a customer and then you've just been so – I guess maybe in awe or fascinated by the item that you that you made the the customer an offer and purchased it, and if so, what was it? It doesn't happen very often. I mean, I do collect. I'm so busy looking at other people's collections. I I, I rarely buy things through auctions. I've never bought anything on eBay. That's uh, probably an interesting tidbit. Um, I've I've got a very large collection, uh, very comprehensive, but. Um, it, it happens once in a while, but I try not to, to do that too often, um, mainly because I don't want any type of conflict of interest to occur, so it, it really doesn't happen that often. Usually people what was I know, the last um, yeah. What was the last item you did buy from somebody that they came Ooh. in to get authenticated? Um, it was probably a Roberto Clemente ball. I would say that that was uh, – something that, you know, I saw that I'd like for my collection. And, um, you know, the, the fellow that was selling it was not a collector. He had gotten it himself many years ago. And uh, uh, we, we were able to strike up a deal. He was happy. I was happy. And, uh, and there's, there's, there's items such as that that I might, you know, stumble into sure. along the way. But it, it doesn't happen as often as I guess people would think because, I, 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 again, I don't want to uh, interfere with uh, what the uh, subject at hand is, which is to authenticate people's items. I don't sell items. I haven't sold anything in probably 15 years. Was that a team ball or was that a single signed? A uh, single signed, actually. Single signed. Okay. Wow. That's, that, that's, that would be a pretty cool item to have. So when you guys authenticate items, you know, obviously, you know, your competitors back in PSA and stuff, PSA in particular puts invisible ink or puts some kind of marking on there, invisible that can only be seen with a blue light or black light. When you guys, when you guys do authentication, talk us, 
talk to us about the authentication process. So if I if I send something in to you, can you give me, kind of give me a step by step process of that of how the authentication works? Sure. In order to get the letter of authenticity from JSA, when it's submitted, um, we have to process the item. So uh, we carefully uh, record all of the characteristics of the item itself to make sure we have the measurements, uh, the, uh, the type of ink that's used, uh, the type of implement that was used, the era in which the item was manufactured, and all this information eventually will go on to the letter of authenticity or a rejection letter if the item fails. We take a high-resolution scan, and at that point, we never have one authenticator, not even myself, makes the final decision. Um, it, it has to go out to our authentication staff, and everyone scores it blindly, so we don't know what each other's uh, scores are. Um, based on the scores, an item either passes, fails, or it possibly could go inconclusive. Um, I, I would say the inconclusive doesn't happen that often, but usually that everybody, uh, you know, we have a, a very well-trained staff, as well as, you know, the exposure that all of these authenticators, and we have consultants in the field as well that do not work directly for the company, but we also send images to those people as well. Once the item um, achieves the scores that it needs to either pass or fail, a letter is written up and it's returned with the item to the customer, and the authentication uh, letter, the, the full letter, has uh, my signature or my son's, and it is also witnessed by a notary public, and it's also on uh, water. Um, it has watermarked um, stationery so that somebody can't counterfeit the uh, letter itself. It all ties into a database, and someone can look up the item and see the exact item that was authenticated uh, based on the uh, alphanumeric item that's, uh, that, that appears on the letter of authenticity. Wow. So, so it, it sounds like the process is very, very extensive. What, what, what went into the, the decisions to not just have you – um, to kind of have your name on the company, but kind of not have you be the sole authenticator? Well, first of all, this, the volume itself is incredible. Uh, JSA authenticates between 450 and 500,000 autographs a year. So physically, I can't you know, witness every single autograph uh, and be around the country like uh, my staff is. I mean, any given weekend, we're in five to seven different locations around the country. Yesterday, for example, I was in Queens, New York. I have workers this weekend um, in Minnesota. Uh, we had them in Chicago. We have them in Virginia, down in Florida. Uh, out on the West Coast, probably in California this weekend. So there's, there's not a chance that I could view all of these, especially when it comes to the witness protection uh, service that we have, where we sit next to the athlete and watch every single autograph that they sign, and if that gets stickered and placed into our, um, into our database as well. Yeah, and that does make sense. Now, you guys mentioned Minnesota. Are you guys at the Canterbury show? Oh, you got me there. Um, I don't know. I personally wasn't there. I mean, the schedule is is pretty demanding, and we have uh, a fellow that takes care of all the scheduling for us. So I, I don't know exactly where 
I know they're there, but I'm not sure exactly the location. But it's all up on our website, spenceloa.com. I mean, you could you okay. just go through that and, 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 and put in a, a zip code and find out when's the, ne- the, ne- the closest show that we're going to be in your area. Sure. Now, you've obviously, you know, you talk about the uh, witness protection. You t- you talk a lot about that. And what are some of your favorite um, signings that you've done in the baseball world? Because baseball athletes, I think baseball players kind of tend to be creatures of habit more than other guys. Do you have some funny stories or some some memorable signing experiences that you can share with us? Well, I mean, I do some of them, but not a lot of those. I, I We have a staff, because I really, well, my specialty is looking at an autograph that was signed many years ago, something that we didn't see in the presence, and I'll make a judgment call, I'll give an opinion on that, such as a Babe Ruth, a George Washington, a Marilyn Monroe. So that's my specialty. To sit with the athletes and watch them or the celebrities is not real good use of my time. We have a staff that does that. Have I done that? Absolutely. I think perhaps one of my favorite ones that I've sat with was uh, Michael J. Fox just um, a couple of summers ago. I, I, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, probably a three-hour session with him. Okay. Now, when you when you do baseball authentication, um, is the process different for each sport, or do you guys do the same um, authentication process? Because is it the same like authenticating a baseball as it is a basketball, as it is a ba- as it is a football, that kind of thing? Um. Well, the identity, being able to identify the item and date it, I mean that varies from field to field. But in terms of looking at the flow and the uh, uh, the structure of the signature. I mean, we have a developed uh, exemplar file, which is specimens of the person's autograph. And our exemplar file has over 700,000 examples. And they're, most of them are in date order uh, so that we're able to see the evolution of a person's autograph. Because usually an autograph evolves as opposed to really changes. It evolves into what it becomes, you know, right after sure. the, the person's death. So um, that that process of of being able to uh, do side by side comparisons, or being able to, we have some very expensive machinery that we use to to be able to determine things that the human eye cannot pick up on. I mean, some of these machines are twenty five thousand dollars that we have that uh, uh, have all types of different types of lighting capabilities, whether they're coaxial or um, there's uh, different types of ultraviolet um, uh, lighting and side lighting, and also they have filters that we're able to uh, manipulate to see things that might be either erased or just faded. Excellent. Do you do you have a favorite autograph in your collection? You said your your collection was pretty extensive, and you mentioned the Roberto Clemente signed ball earlier. Do you have a baseball item in your collection that you're just like, wow, that's my favorite item? Yes. I, you know, I kind of view it as um, the collection as a whole, but, I mean, I co- I'm a collector of cancel checks, for example, and I okay. have some real beauties in my collection, such as uh, I've got a Joe Jackson, I have a George Washington. Wow. I have 
a couple of Lincolns, and I have, you know, Christy Matthewson, and then probably about, I'm going to say about 170 different um, baseball Hall of Famers on cancel checks. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Wow. Well, what is it about canceled checks that you decided to do that niche and make that part of your collection? I like the size of them. I don't really enjoy collecting a lot of oversized items. So I know people like collecting bats or jerseys, but you got to have a place to put these things. Uh, you know, my sure. check collections can all fit, you know, in one single safe because they are flat. They're they're paper items, and they also give you. I like the idea that they're all dated. I like the idea that most of them are, are filled out in the person's hand, so it gives you extra writing, which helps the authentication process. Uh, usually when a person just signs his name, you're limited to that to be able to uh, opine on. But when you have more sure. writing on it, the person's filling out the date and, and he's writing the amount and uh, perhaps even in the memo column in addition to. And they usually put on their legal name as well. Uh, you know, it's, you know, Babe Ruth didn't sign his checks. Babe Ruth, he signed it, uh, you know, George H. Ruth or, or G.H. Ruth or what have you. So I, I kind of like that aspect of it as well. What's the one autograph that you don't have in your collection that you're like, man, I would love to score one of those? Oh, boy. Um, that might be, you know what, I'm probably 18 autographs short of having every single president's autograph. Um, and I, I would say any one of those would probably fit into that category. I mean, there's some that should be easier than others for me to get together. I, I, I think I need a Grover Cleveland and a Rutherford B. Hayes and a James Buchanan. But then again, on the flip side, I need a John Adams and a Thomas Jefferson. So um, I, I, I guess any one of them I would very much uh, enjoy having. I, I, I do, and a lot, I'll tell you what, as far as presidential checks are concerned, the, some of the more difficult ones are some of the more recent presidents. I mean, I've never seen a Barack Obama or a Bill Clinton or uh, either one of the Bushes. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting just because, you know, somebody's been dead for 200-some-odd years, it doesn't mean that it's not easier to find than somebody that might still be alive. Yeah, that is that is really interesting. Now, and I totally appreciate that because I'm a history and political science major, so I and the presidents are one of my absolute favorite things to study and talk about. So to to know that, you know, somebody out there collects and is kind of a presidential nerd like I am, that's that's pretty cool. When you you mentioned earlier in the episode that you've never bought anything on eBay. When you look at eBay as a whole for autographs, do you view it as a positive or a negative? Wow, um, that's that's very curious. You know, I just came from an era where I enjoyed actually touching the items and seeing them. And I once in a while I'll buy an item that's in somebody's auction, but usually I'm authenticating the item uh, while I'm there and I see something and I might go after it. Um, but I, I guess I don't, more so than anything. I don't have time to troll around eBay like uh, many collectors do. I, I'm too busy, I guess, being concerned about other people's collections. I, I, you know, it's it's kind of strange. It's just it's a time issue. I, I I very often work, you know, six seven days a week, so there's not a lot of time left over, you know, 
after, you know, family and other responsibilities that, you know, I can spend a lot of time doing this. I'd almost have to retire to be a better collector. <laughs> well, for everybody in the uh, collect in the authentication and collection industry, let's hope that that doesn't happen anytime soon. Now, one major thing well, I, did happen. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, well, I have you. Um, you know, I have um, several family members that work for my company, including my son, who operates our office down in. Um, uh, Fort Lauderdale, which indeed I'm going down to tomorrow um, to visit, um, and uh, you know he's he's gained quite a reputation himself in the industry as being one of the top authenticators. So you know this we, we do have a very good staff, and I, I certainly don't want to give anyone the impression that I'm the only authenticator. Uh, you know in my business we have a, a probably ten different uh, lead authenticators um, and. You know, JSA has uh, 25 full-time employees and probably just as many part-time employees. Now, when you, when you, you know, you're obviously in the authentication game. A couple of years ago, maybe it was 18 months ago at this point, um, a big kind of shift happened in the authentication industry. You used to work for PSA. Um, a lot of people do consider them the gold standard in terms of resale value or what have you. Um, but Steve Grad was one of their leading authenticators, and he left, and he not only switched over to Beckett, but then he helped found the Beckett authentication services. Can you talk about um, kind of what the authentication industry has become compared to what it was and what what that what a move that Steve made, you know, talk about how well, difficult that is. You made that same I, jump from PSA to your own company. Well, JSA, uh, I believe, is at the top of their game. Um, as far as uh, competition, uh, a lot of this happened really because of me and my career. I mean, if you look at most of the other authenticators in the field, whether it be SGC or even Steve, um, and uh, at one time there was Zach over at um, PSA DNA, um, and uh, most of the, most of this started with me. They're kind of like offshoots of what I started. Obviously, I had a uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but um, I had a, a, a ten year relationship with them. Beckett, um, um, you know, decided to go a different direction and have their own in house service. So I guess they moored. Um, Steve over to um, their uh, company and they started their own but we were doing the authentication and slabbing for better than 10 years with Beckett um, BSA got a whole new crew of people in and um, you know some of these guys are very good authenticators I'm not you know I'm certainly not um, you know uh, saying they're not it's just we've been around a lot longer we have more authenticators and I believe we're, you know, we can cover a lot more ground and a lot more eyes are looking at your autographs than some of these other companies. Maybe only one or two people are making the final decision. I don't, I believe in having it, you know, a more comprehensive approach and letting more people so that there's less of a problem, so there's fewer mistakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. What does what does having more companies in the authentication business do for the hobby in general? Mm. Well, it gives them a, a, a choice, but fortunately, JSA authenticates 
for more auction houses than really everyone else combined. Um, you know, we, we have so many uh, that use us, whether it be Robert Edwards Auction or Huggins and Scott or Hunt Auctions. Uh, we authenticate for Great Flannel and just many, many other different, uh, you know, love of the game, um, many, many different authentication services, vintage authentics up in Minnesota. Um, there, there's just so many that we do, and, and they've been extremely loyal and happy with our service. So I think that gives us better advertising than all the ads I could run on the Internet or in Sports Collectors Digest or wherever else people are advertising. Sure. I mean, that's very, very valuable. Uh, I mean, any given day, this is, this is an interesting uh, concept. Any given day, there are 150,000 or more items that have been authenticated on eBay that were authenticated by JSA. Uh, and that's JSA alone. That's not anyone else. But that's a significant number of items that we, that people are putting up for sale. So just think of all the items that are not up on eBay in people's collections. I mean, we've authenticated uh, um, seriously millions of autographs at this point. Have you guys ever been had a had a either current or former player call you up and say, "Hey, come over to my house. I want to sell my collection, or I'd like to get it authenticated." Have you ever donated? Have you ever like authenticated a player's a former player's entire collection? Yes, we've been at um, players' homes, uh, different celebrities' homes, and have done that. But I could tell you more often than not, usually an auction house receives the collection from the celebrity and they pick it up and then it's all in one central location when we authenticate prior to the uh, catalog being launched. Um, but but there, there are, you know, many different instances where we've, uh, I mean, I just personally, and I'm not speaking for the other people in my, um, my company, because I know they've been in various places, but I remember I did Jim Cott's collection, the former pitcher, um, should yep. be a Hall of Fame, but he's not. Um, I authenticated uh, the collection of Scott Stapp, who was uh, uh, was the lead singer in uh, the group Creed, Creed. and and many yep. others over the years have been done. Well, James, I actually have another caller. Would you be willing to take a, a fan question? Absolutely. Okay, okay, we're going to bring this caller in here. Let's do this. Caller, what's your name and where are you from? Uh, my name's Drew. What's going on, buddy? Uh, my name's Drew, and I'm the, actually the host of Let Me Get That Potograph podcast uh, show about the hobby and the hobby world in general. Um, and once I heard you had uh, James on, I had to call in for a minute. Sure. Right, Drew, Drew go you? ahead. Oh, Drew, right. go well, ahead. Uh, you're, thank- you're, yep, okay. you're live with James Spence. Go ahead. All right. Well, James, it's a pleasure uh, to speak with you. Um, we we do a show about the hobby, and so uh, your name comes up frequently, and your company comes up frequently, and uh, it's a, it's an honor to speak with you. Um, well, thank you for calling quick Absolutely. Um, just had a quick question, and that was, uh, you know, you guys are, as it's been said through the interview, you know, you are one of the, if not the, standard for authentication of items, really, in in the hobby and really beyond and um, I was always curious if uh, it ever came up in your guys mind or anything to possibly do some type of 
encapsulation with your certifications uh, like some of the other companies do, since your name does carry so much weight and so much respect in the hobby. I was just always curious if there was ever a plan on uh, maybe introducing some type of encapsulation or anything like that to go along with the authentication. Actually, we just spoke about that prior to your calling, and yes, uh, we're hopefully going to launch that by the national. Uh, so that's coming, and uh, we're expecting it to make a big splash once uh, once that comes about. But um, yeah, look for that, and uh, there'll be examples up on our website as well. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for taking my call, and um, great interview today. And uh, thanks for what you do for the hobby, because. Uh, one thing we do is we, we run across so many fakes and everything, so it's uh, great to have a company like you guys around where, you know, buyers can trust what they're getting and trust what they're getting is going to be real. Well, thank you for that order of confidence. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks for taking my call, guys, and uh, y'all have a great day. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate it. No problem, buddy. All right. So James, that that was just one fan question from Drew, and you, you know you mentioned the um, he mentioned the encapsulation. For people who may not understand, talk about how big of a deal this is for you guys, because this is really kind of the maybe the one last niche that you guys weren't involved in that the other companies were. Well, it's not like we're not busy. I can tell you that we're extremely busy. So right. This is going to add a whole new division on, and. My estimation is within a couple of years, it perhaps will double the size of JSA. Uh, We're we're prepared to do it. Um, We want to do a great job. We're not just looking to do a good job. And um, it's going to, uh, I think it's going to interest a lot of collectors and certainly the auction houses, I believe, will receive it right away. I mean, I've seen other people come out with, um, you know, slabs in the past and, their biggest hurdle was trying to get them into, you know, the auction houses. And if that doesn't happen, it's very hard to sell your product. But since I'm already in there doing authentications, I don't believe that's going to be a huge problem. Absolutely. Now, when, you know, you talked about your son being involved in the business, and he obviously, you mentioned he runs your Fort Lauderdale, Florida office. How much of a connection do you guys have between your New Jersey and your Florida office? Like, if people send items in, get an equal amount of items oh, in both places? There, there's Yes, items are sent to either location. Uh, there's usually uh, it, it's not necessarily uh, one is better than the other or anything like that because everybody, you know, the two companies are scoring items. Um, simultaneously, it's wonderful that things can be emailed or put into drop boxes. Uh, you know, as far as the images are concerned, so everybody's seeing. It's uh, it's just nice to have a location elsewhere so that we're able, especially for travel purposes. And it it's been certainly uh, talked about within our company of even going out to the West Coast and having a brick and mortar um, location out there. We already have representation out on the West Coast. But we would like, you know, a, a physical location where people can actually uh, bring their items. And it would probably be in the uh, the Phoenix area, if I was to guess. That would, might be our next uh, venture there. Okay. Have you guys thought about uh, doing something in the Midwest, or is that just kind of not possible at the time? 
Well, we we have representation there as well, but you know it's a lot easier sure. for us to hop on hop on a plane to go to Chicago than some of us, you know, hopping on planes to go to L.A. or even Phoenix. I mean, I'm trying to cut down on sure. the air travel. Uh, that that can wear you down. I mean, I, I've I've been on the road for the last 30 years in this industry, and uh, you know it's it's quite demanding, and that's why um, I'd like to see uh, people home more nights so that they don't get burnt out. What's the one big thing that you would like to see in the hobby, the card collecting industry? What's the one big thing you would like to see card collectors change that they either do or don't do? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, uh, I I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the government's not going to step in and have any type of regulation in my estimation. I mean, I guess there's been a little bit out in California. They required you to have, uh, you know, a letter of authenticity upon the sale of an item. Um, but I believe that um, I think people should – that especially collectors should educate themselves more. Um, I've seen people just buy items without really investigating the buyer, um, learning more. I, I would just like to see the buyer themselves become more educated. I'm not saying that they will have to turn into authenticators, but some of the purchases I've seen over the years, I, I don't know what the person was thinking. Perhaps they thought they were getting a deal that was so good, it was too good to be true. And it's it's a shame because sometimes after the purchase, unless they they, they they have some way out of it, you know, it's very difficult for them to get their money back. Um, I recommend that people, you know, purchase with uh, something that can be reversible, such as a PayPal or a credit card, as opposed to sending a check or cash to people, because it's very difficult to get your money back. I mean, you can't put a charge back on those two types of uh, purchases, and um, a lot of people get stuck, and it leaves a bad taste in their mouth, and then they leave the hobby. And some of these people are generally interested in collecting, and just because of a bad experience, and I understand, you know, that 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 they run away from the hobby. And I think if they did a little bit more homework to begin with, I think they would safeguard themselves. Absolutely. James, we got about two minutes and some change left, about two and a half minutes. I want to give you the last two and a half minutes or two minutes to kind of promo anything that you guys have coming out, future appearances, your website, anything you'd like to talk about. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'll tell you, our all of our, our um, appearances are listed up on our website, which is spenceloa.com. Um, it's uh, easy to navigate. In fact, it's a brand new website that we just put together. Uh, the um, the we're we're we probably I think we we haven't been in about three or four different states in the 50 uh, United States. So we've been just about everywhere, um, which I'm very proud of that we actually go meet the people, take in the items. I've probably been in about 40 of those states personally doing authentications. Um, you know, I was never one for just sitting back and, uh, you know, barking orders or sitting in some type of ivory tower. I've been a very hands-on. Sure. I go to work every day. Um, you know, you know I, I like to see my employees run alongside me. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been at this, I've worked very hard and I, we have a very good team that has a very good work ethic. And, um, I'm always interested in getting, 
you know, new people uh, to come to work for me. I'm interested in uh, training the next great authenticator. Um, That's one of the hardest things in my business. I mean, we'll we'll get all the business we want. The biggest problem is being able to process it all in a timely manner, and and that's why I need authenticators. So we have a test that we give, and um, if, if a person looks like they have that aptitude, then we can, um, you know, go forward and uh, have some type of a business relationship if everything works out. So that's uh, that's probably the biggest plug I'd like to give myself is that, you know, JSA is always, you know, interested in hiring uh, good people. We got about 30 seconds left. James, I cannot thank you enough both for coming on this podcast and also what you have done for the industry. You have helped to legitimize the industry, to col- to help make collectors and hobby enthusiasts fall in love with autographs again. And it's really, really been my honor to speak to a true legend and a true trailblazer such as yourself. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you, and I, I, I'd love to come back and, and talk to your uh, your public again. And um, I'm very passionate about this, and I'm, I'm glad to see other people have uh, a similar interest as well. Thank you again, though. Take care. You too. Thanks, James. All right. So that was James Spence. He is the owner of JSA Authentication. And as you heard earlier in the episode, I'm not going to give any spoilers away. You have to listen to find out. But he dropped some breaking news. Some gig- He dropped a bomb as it relates to the collection and hobby industry. So you definitely want to make sure you go back and listen to that. It is going to revolutionize how autographs are done. So that is a huge, huge announcement. I cannot thank you guys enough for listening. As always, this and every episode of the show about the show is dedicated to the memory of my dad. Please make sure you donate to military to disabled military veterans, SIGs for Soldiers on Twitter, at S-I-G-S for Soldiers on Twitter. Also, check the big thank you to Drew for calling in. He has the Let Me Get That Potograph podcast. Him and his co-host, Stu, make sure you guys find that on Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. I'll be back with another episode later on. You guys have a great day. And we'll see you down the road in podcast land.